know about y'all. But this feels like church to me again. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know that we would ever see this again. But God is, God is awesome, isn't he? Thank you. Thank you for your love for God. Thank you for your faithfulness. You desire to be with your brothers and sisters. You desire to be in God's house. Um, if you came to hear a Mother's Day sermon today, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be giving one of those. <laughs> um, we are going to continue off of a sermon that we started uh, last week. We just kind of ran out of time with it. Uh, so we talked about several scriptures last week. Just, just want to rehash this as quickly as I possible, possibly can. We talked about several scriptures uh, from the New Testament that gives us really the, uh, really the most simplistic and the most uh, easy manner these scriptures gave us, they told us what Christianity was or what Christianity is. It kind of summed, these scriptures summed up Christianity in a nutshell. What it is uh, and how we live this, our faith out in the world. How we think, how we speak, how we act, how we relate to other people particularly. And we again brought out several and I'm going to try to breeze through these because if you weren't here, I want us to get, make sure we have this grounding, make sure that we have this foundation. Number one, the first scripture that we pulled out is one that all of us from Broxton United Methodist and Oak Grove United Methodist should be very familiar with. We should know this thing like the back of our hand at this point. It comes from Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. It's one that we've talked about since, since August, I think, August or September. And I'm going to repeat it to you guys one more time. And, and, and I will promise you this is the last time you're going to hear me Talk about the scripture. Okay, that's my promise to you because I know you probably have heard it uh, so much that you can quote it in your sleep. But it's so, so very important to us and it's so, so very important to the foundation of who we are as disciples of Jesus Christ. And that scripture says this. Somebody asked Jesus Christ, what is the greatest commandment? And we all know, or hopefully we all know at this point, how Christ responded. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then he added to it, he said, but there's another one that's just as important as that. There's another one that's just as equal in the eyes of God as that. And that is to love your neighbor as yourself. So there is our foundation for discipleship. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. If we don't get anything else out of the New Testament as far as what it looks like to be a disciple, we can look to those three scriptures right there. Love God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Second one we looked at last week was one that we're all familiar with, and it's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, give it to me one more time, believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Very, very key is that word belief, because this is the invitation that we have. This is the, the invitation that non-Christians have. This is the invitation that we have as Christians to continue in our faith. And it's that simple word, believe. We are grounded simply in our belief. In not in, not in, again, I told you this last week, that's not an intellectual belief. It's not an educational belief. It's not a head belief. It is a heart belief. It is a heart belief. That's what the Bible says. That's what Hebrew says faith is. Faith in, in things that are unknown. Absolute certainty in these things are un, that are unknown. We have faith in Christ. We have faith in the reality of that He was born that he lived, that he taught, that he died, that he resurrected, and that he ascended into heaven. That is the foundation of the gospel. That's the foundation of Christianity. What did I tell you guys was the second part of the gospel, or the, uh, the second part of our call as Christians. Anybody remember? We ought to be able to remember this because it's almost very, very similar to John 3.16. It's 1 John 
3.16. Most of us don't know that, but 1 John 3.16 reads this. And listen to the words. And y'all, have, y'all can look this up later if you want to. This is not our scripture for today. I'm just going over some more that, that we had previously talked about. But 1 John 3.16 says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Laying down our lives for our brothers and sisters, or laying down our lives really for humanity. Giving up our selfishness, giving up our sinfulness, giving up our own, our own selfish pursuit, our own selfish desires for the sake of God, for the sake of obedience to God, and for the sake of loving other people. Now, I may be crazy, but there seems to be a lot of similarities there between 1 John 3.16 and the Jesus Creed back in Mark chapter 29 that I initially talked about. A lot of similarities there. So this is our foundation. This is our foundation of, of, of uh, what it means, what it looks like to be Christians, to be followers. So certainly we can see the correlation in those two scriptures. Another scripture I gave you also came from 1 John. And we actually hit on this one about three weeks ago. And I absolutely love this one. I absolutely love this one because it puts those other two together as well. It comes from 1 John uh, 3.23. Check this out. Tell me if this is not the exact same basic, simplistic summation of the gospel. Or a basic, simplistic summation of who we are, who we're called to be as Christians. 1 John 3.23 reads this. It says, and this is His commandment, or this is God's commandment. To believe, there's that word again, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And number two, to love one another as He commanded us. How easy is this? How simple is this? How repetitive is this? It's the exact same message. It's the exact same theme repeated over and over and over again. And it's not just these passages. We can look at the letters of Paul. We can look at the epistles. It's all through the New Testament. You're going to find scriptures that reflect this thing, this theme, over and over and over again. So those are the ones that we talked about last week. I want to tell you about one more that I ran into this week. Once again, this gives us the same message, and it jumped out to me while I was studying for this sermon. But it also, surprise, surprise, comes from 1 John as well. 1 John chapter 5, you can read, Everyone who believes, here's that word again, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, and is born of God, this is how that we, this is how, um, we know that we love the children of God. This is how we know that we love people. By loving God and by carrying out His commandments. Again, Belief, loving God, loving others, Christianity in a nutshell. Christianity in a nutshell, in just a few words, just very, very few short words. So there's the basics of our faith. Belief, heartfelt belief in the reality that Jesus was who He said He was. And loving God and loving people with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. My heart, soul, mind, and strength, foundation of who we are as Christians. So now that we know that, now that we know that, we, now that we know that that's the nuts and bolts of our faith, the question kind of becomes this. How do we do this? If believing and loving God and loving others is the foundation of our faith, if it's who we're called to as disciples, how do we do it? How do we love God? How do we love other people? Because let's be honest, this isn't easy a lot of times. I'll repeat myself for what I've said the last three weeks. Christianity's simple, but it's not easy. It's not easy to love a lot of people, is it? A lot of people we would prefer not to love. 
I'm not going to say that we prefer not to love God, but let's be honest, sometimes we don't really want to spend the time with God that we know we should spend with Him, do we? We're not as devoted as we think or as we know we should. So how do we do this? How do we live this out? I want to take you back, first of all, once more three weeks ago, and I want to draw your attention to one more scripture before we get to our passage for today. And I kind of messed this up last week, by the way. I, if y'all remember, I asked Susan to give me her, um, her worship planner, and I, and I gave you a scripture. Well, I, I gave you the wrong scripture, <laughs> but I gave you a scripture, and, a, and I, I gave you that one, and then I gave you what I was going to preach on this week, and I, was, and I challenged you to compare these two and uh, see if you can locate the answer of how we do this. Unfortunately, I gave you guys the wrong one. Here's the right one. So we, did, we actually did talk about this three weeks ago. And like I said, I, I tried to challenge you guys to do this last week, but uh, obviously you couldn't do it because I gave you the wrong one. But anyway, once more, we return to 1 John. A lot of good stuff here in 1 John. 1 John 3, 6 says this, and I want you to listen to these words. Um, particularly if you were here that week that we talked about 1 John 3, 6. 1 John 3, 6 states this, No one who lives in him... Listen to those words. Lives in Him. No one who lives in Christ keeps on sinning. I quoted to you from the Message Bible that same verse, but translates it kind of like this. No one who lives deeply in Christ makes it a pattern to sin. So no one who lives in Christ, no one who lives deeply. And I told you that doesn't mean that we don't sin. It's just that we don't really have that desire. We're not pulled in that direction. We're not, we're not oriented in that direction, so to speak. But those words are important. No one who lives in Him. No one who lives deeply in Christ. Y'all keep those two phrases in your mind real quick as we, as we uh, read these next scriptures. If you do have your Bible, flip over to uh, John 15. <clears throat> John chapter 15, we're going to look at the first eight verses. John 15, 1 through 8. And again, y'all keep that little phrase in your head as we're going over this. And I'm going to ask you again, like I tried to ask you last Sunday before I botched it. See if you can spot this. See if you can spot the how. We're talking about the how today. How do we love God? How do we love others? How do we stay grounded in our, in our faith? Remember those couple phrases I just mentioned to you. Those who live in Christ. Those who live deeply in Christ. As we read these eight little verses. Starting in verse 1, these are the words of Jesus. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, and they are thrown into the fire, and they're burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be 
my disciples. It's the word of God for the people of God. Did anybody happen to spot what I'm, what I'm looking for out there? Boom. Boom. Y'all got it. Congratulations. I'll give you something after the service. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly it, Terry and Crystal. Abide. Some of you, I said remain. The word, the translation that I read to you guys, the word was remain. Some of your translations probably say abide. And we'll talk about those terms in just a second. Before we get to it, though, I just want to point out that Jesus kind of, most of us are probably familiar with the scripture. Jesus starts off with this metaphor about vines and branches, and he utilizes God as the gardener who's cutting away branches that don't bear fruit, and he's pruning branches, other branches, so that they will be more fruitful. And then we get introduced to this word abide, or we get introduced to this word remain. So yeah, it's the same idea. It's the same idea that we saw in that scripture from 1 John 3, 6. Living in Christ, living deeply in Christ. <clears throat> Jesus says, he tells his disciples, and of course it's the same message for us today. He tells us that he's the vine, that we're the branches, and if we simply will remain in him, we will bear fruit. Did y'all know that or did y'all pick it up off a sign out there? <laughs> So he tells us again, he's the vine, we're the branches. If we'll simply remain in him, that we're going to bear fruit. We're going to bear the fruit of Jesus Christ. This is our starting point. This is our starting point of how we live out this faith, this foundational faith that we talked about here in the beginning. This is where we begin how to live our Christianity out. Simply remaining. Simply abiding. Staying the course. Following the example of Jesus in every area of our lives. Again, the translation that I read today uh, was the NIV translation. And in that short few sentences, eight verses, you guys heard me say that word, remain or abide, eight times. Eight times in just a few short sentences. I think Jesus was trying to drive home a point for us. What do you guys think? Certainly. And that's a foundational theme. Again, you find, especially from the author of 1 John and John, abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ. It's the foundation. This is the foundation of how God works in our lives. It's a foundation of how God's grace works through us to enable us. Because we can't do this stuff by ourselves, folks. Make no mistake about that. We're unable to live out this Christian faith by ourselves. Thankfully, we've got some instructions on how to do this or how to allow God to work through us to do this. And this is where it all starts. Again, very, very simple word, abide. So what does that mean? What does that mean to abide in Christ, to remain in Christ? It basically just means this. It just means, like we tell our dogs, stay. It's just stay. That's what abide means. That's what it means to remain. It means to stay grounded. Grounded in what? Grounded in our faith. Grounded in what we believe in our hearts. It's to live in this constant state of awareness. And I'm working on this really bad. Actually, this is something I've been praying a lot about lately. But it's being able to live in this constant state of awareness of the very reality of the presence of God who is with us at all times. 
everywhere. I know that we say we believe that, and I know probably intellectually in our heads we, we do believe that. We know, we know that God's with us, but do we really believe that in our hearts and do we really practice that? I myself have to say no. You know, I'm good at it during my prayer times, but moving throughout my day, you know, I would like to have a better feeling or a better ability to do this, recognizing the presence of God who is always with me. Staying grounded in that. What happens when we're able to do that? What happens when we're able to abide? When we're able to remain in Jesus Christ? Well, Christ says that we're going to bear fruit. What kind of fruit? Well, we're going to bear, first of all, the fruit of Christ that we read about. But I would also argue, and I'd also say that, of course, this includes what we refer to as the fruit of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul writes about in Galatians 5. If you've been in church any amount of time, y'all have heard probably numerous sermons on the fruit of the Spirit. What kind of fruit are we talking about? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's those nine attributes. These are nine qualities that the Apostle Paul writes about that tells us that we are people, we are individuals, we are communities that are living in a pure relationship with Jesus Christ, in a pure relationship and that are living in an accord with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. And if we simply abide, God does the work for us. By the way, God does the work for us. All we got to do is stay. Stay with Him. God does the transformation. I can't, I, folks, let me tell you something. I can't transform myself. This, this whole idea about being able to change ourselves... We may be able to do so to some degree. Certainly, we've got a little bit of, a little bit of uh, effort into it. But for the most part, we don't change the way that we think. God does that for us. God does that for us. Anyway, Paul says these are the nine attributes that people and communities that are living in accord, that are remaining in Jesus, will, will display. Here's the thing, though. Remember, I've said the last several weeks of Christianity is simple, but it's not easy. Let's look back to Jesus' metaphor here in the beginning of our scripture. Let's look back to Jesus' metaphor about cutting and pruning. Because pruning is painful. Certainly cutting something away is painful. But if we're talking about pruning, remember he says that he, that he prunes branches that are, that are bearing fruit so that they will bear better fruit. Or more fruit, but he also cuts away other stuff. Well, that hurts, doesn't it? Especially if we're people. Especially if we're people. And if we're talking about this from a spiritual point of view or from a spiritual sense, because cutting away stuff that we are attached to is something we don't like. Cutting away the stuff that we like to hold on to hurts. Cutting away this stuff that, that we've really just don't want to get rid of sometimes. We'd rather not. We'd rather let you have that, Jesus. We'd rather, we'd rather hold on to that. So when he comes around and he starts cutting away these things and pruning these, we're going to experience some pain. We're going to experience some emotional pain. We're going to have to deal with some junk that we don't want to deal with. Because let's be honest, we don't want to give up our selfishness a whole lot of times in a lot of areas. And when we're forced to do that, it's going to hurt and it's going to be a journey. 
cutting away those attitudes, cutting away those desires, cutting away all those attachments that have brought us for so long this false sense of comfort that we have relied on instead of God, for example. For my example, it would be substance abuse. That's stuff that I did for years and years that I relied on to bring me emotional and physical comfort instead of relying on God. Guess what? I didn't want to get rid of that. Very few addicts and alcoholics really do. Somehow or another, God brought me to some point of submission and obedience. And guess what happened? It hurt. It was painful. It stunk. But on the other side of it was what? Resurrection. Resurrection. Terry stepped to I'm sure you don't mind me talking about it from your point of view. Most folks in here don't, can't, can't relate to that directly, but I'm sure there's something in your life that you can relate to that. It may not be something as harsh or as painful or as uh, destructive as that, but certainly there are things that we hold on to that we know are not good for us, that we know are not good for our friends, that we know are not good for our families, that we know God is trying to prune away. Jesus is trying to prune away, cut away out of our lives. Stop resisting that. Stop resisting that. We got to remember, folks, Jesus has our best interest in mind. He's not trying to do anything that's going to hurt us. Okay? All these, all these rules and all these laws that we talk about, they're for our good. Always has our best interest in mind. I, I kind of went off. That, that wasn't even in my sermon notes. But we ask ourselves, you know, at the end of the day, and I, I mean, you could give yourself dozens, if not hundreds of examples of this stuff. But here's what we wind up asking ourselves. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth cutting away these things that I like? Even though they may not be good for me, may not be good for other people. Is it worth it? Is it worth all this self-denial to live in the way that Christ offers us? Is it worth the effort to endure this pain and to endure this discomfort that will inevitably go along with it if I do? Well, I just told you the greatest example of my life. The answer is yes, and I'm going to argue, and I'm going to tell you now, whatever it is, some of y'all are thinking about some things right now. And that's awesome. That's great. I'm glad you are. Whatever it is you're thinking about, if you're asking yourself, is it worth it? The answer is yes. It is completely worth it. Jesus, in just a few short scriptures down, tells us himself, yes, it is worth it. First John, or John 15, 11. Jesus gives us this assurance. I have told you, he says, I have told you all of this so that my joy may be in you. I like that word joy. That sounds like, that sounds like fun to me. That sounds like peace to me. I've told you all this. Not so I can make you mad or not so I can hurt you, not so I can cause you pain and discomfort, but no, so that my joy will be in you. Not only that, not only my joy, but also that your joy, y'all look at that verse if you get a chance to, also that your joy may be complete. I tell you all of this stuff, I tell you all of this so that my joy may be in you. And that you may be complete. I don't know about you guys, but I like the idea of being made complete. I like that idea. And I've again, I, you know, the, I, I gave you the most glaring example in my personal life, but I could give you dozens of other, other areas. 
where God has cut stuff out of my life. And the joy comes. That's the beauty of it. On the other end of that, no matter how much pain I go through, no matter how much, how much it hurts, there's always joy and there's always growth on the other side of it. Every single, single time. And that's the assurance that He gives us so that you may be made complete. I don't care about anything that I might have lost, by the way. Throughout this process and throughout this process that I hope continues throughout my lifetime, if God continues to allow me to live, physically live. I've lost a lot of bad stuff and I've gained a lot of good stuff. And my wife will tell you. And I'm not making this about myself. I just, I use myself to give you examples. And I think I told you guys this two or three years ago. And oh, this, this, this wasn't even in my sermon this morning, man. This wasn't even in my notes. I just love talking about it. Maybe it's, maybe it's the crowd. But you know, going back, going back to the substance abuse, and I hope that y'all can relate this to something else in your life. But going back to that, stopping the substance abuse at the end of the day was easy. And uh, it was just the tip of the iceberg. Substance abuse stuff was, was just the tip. It wasn't even so much that. It isn't so much that, that I'm clean from those things today. It's the other stuff that I've gained. And it's the other stuff that I've lost. You know, I've lost anger to a great degree. I'm not mad. People don't tick me off like they used to. Okay? And that's good. That's spiritual growth. Um, I'm a little bit less selfish than I used to be. I'm not going to say I'm totally unselfish because I'm not, but I'm a little bit less selfish. I care a little bit more about my wife, and I care a little bit more about my son, and I care a little bit more about you guys than I would have 10 years ago. I care a little bit more about that person that I run into in the supermarket. I care a little bit more about that person that I run into on the street or wherever that may be. I'm a little bit less selfish, and that is what spiritual growth looks like. And this is what happens in our lives I see some of y'all nodding when we agree with God, when we are obedient and we, we allow Him to work through us and we reach these points where we're willing to give up this nonsense that we carry around with us. Terry Steptoe, I need an amen now. Thank you, ma'am. So yeah, it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. How do you abide in Christ, y'all? There are... Dozens, 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 if not hundreds of ways that we can talk about abiding in Christ and how we, what that process looks like. First, of them, first one we've already talked about was, was, was belief. We'll go back to that one. Our simple, heartfelt, soul-felt belief, God will work through that. And as simple as that sounds, it's the truth. When we are grounded in our absolute faith, in Jesus, God will work through us simply through that. Another way that we abide in Christ, you guys are doing it right here, right now, this morning. You decided to show up. How simple is that? If you don't think that God is not working through you right now or working in you right now, you're wrong. You guys had a choice to what to do this morning. You made the choice. You showed up and you're here worshiping God and you're here fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters. God is forming you simply through being here in this service. Other ways that we abide in Christ. Simple stuff we've talked about again and again and again. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? And I don't say this to make anybody feel guilty, feel bad about yourself. I don't want you to feel bad about yourself. I want you to feel good about yourself. 
Most of us probably could pray a little more. We know it. Well, why don't we? Just, just do it. Just do it. I assure you, we have a prayer life for the purpose of our good. We don't work on our prayer life. We don't grow our prayer life because we're trying to make God happy, because we don't want Him to be mad at us, none of that nonsense. We pray because we love God. And here's the crazy thing that happens. We grow. We are the ones who wind up benefiting from our prayer life. That's what He wants for us. That's what God wants for us. He wants our good. Some of us need to spend a little bit more time just listening to God. And here's one of the best practices in the world that you guys can do. Slow down, find yourself a nice place to sit, and just be quiet in the presence of God. How hard is that for us to do in the year 2021? We don't lie. It is uncomfortable as all get out, even in our homes, to sit still without any noise or any distractions around us. I haven't done it in several weeks, but you guys know that for a number of weeks we were trying, I was doing that at the beginning of the service. We would, we would sit still. We would sit in silence for maybe 90 seconds. <laughs> and it was the most uncomfortable portion of the service, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, because we're not accustomed to it. We don't like that. We have to have some kind of doggone stimulation all the time. Let me tell you what happens. God speaks to us in the silence. Amen. God speaks to us in the silence much more, much, much more than you guys probably will ever realize. He speaks to us through Scripture too. And again, that's why we have the Bible. The Bible, Holy Scripture. God works through that to transform us again from the inside out. It's not, it's not something that we do again for the sake of making God happy, pleasing Him, or any of those false motives. We just do it so God can work through us, so He can grow us, so He can transform our hearts from the inside out. That we are able to do what? Love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love our neighbors as ourselves. I made a... I'm, a, I'm about to wrap up, y'all. It's the size of the crowd. <laughs> Thank y'all for being here. That's awesome. That's, yeah. Like a kid in a candy store this morning. But I gave an analogy, I think about two weeks ago, and, I, and, I, and I, uh, um, I messed it all up, so I'm going to try to give it to you again. Here's how spiritual practice works. Here's how spiritual formation works. Here's how, here's, here's how we grow into this Christ-likeness. Jasmine, Jeff, Aaron, uh, Becky, Eli, Abby. We've got a number of, of athletes or former athletes in the congregation with us. Jeff, what happens if you stop practicing whatever your sport is? June. Forgot, forgot you, June. <laughs> June, can you get up and play in the World Series if you've been laying on the couch for six years? Why not? You got to practice. This is very simple stuff. An athlete who doesn't practice, an athlete that, who doesn't, who's not working on their sport, their muscles are going to atrophy. They're not going to be as good as they used to, and they're certainly not going to be benefiting physically like they once were. Same thing goes with our spiritual lives. As much effort as we put into it, what? We're going to get out of it. This is how God's grace works. 
chances are, if I'm praying regularly, if I'm searching the Scriptures regularly, if I'm attending church regularly, God's going to be working through me. I'm not telling you guys to try harder. I'm just telling you to engage in some practice. That's how God grows us. Just like these athletes. Same exact effect. Bible study, church attendance, fellowship, these types of things that we all know. If we stop doing these things or if we don't engage in these things, we absolutely cannot expect that we are going to grow into this Christ-likeness that we're talking about. So that's my encouragement, not to try harder, to practice, practice more. Abide in Christ. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you so much for uh, these who have joined us um, in this conscious decision just to be with one another and to worship you as Lord and Savior. Ask God that you would be with us during this time of invitation, that there's any, anybody in this room, God, that uh, perhaps, wants to, perhaps just wants to come talk to you if they want to pray to you or if they, if they need their pastor to pray for them, I ask that you would lead them forward. Or for any other decision they might need to make, dear God, I just ask that you be with us during this invitation time. In Christ's name, amen.